Welcome to Health Talks Now, bringing you the facts you need to keep you and your family well. We're happy you're tuning in today. Baptist Health is committed to providing compassionate, high-quality care that is centered on you. Listen to all of our podcasts to hear from Baptist Health physicians about the latest medical advancements and treatments. And get trusted information on timely health topics from our healthcare professionals. Whether you want to learn more about a specific condition or procedure or find tips for living a healthy lifestyle, Baptist Health is here to help you become a healthier you. Feeling overwhelmed by self-isolation in COVID-19 is understandable, and we're providing a number of tips to not only proactively manage stress thresholds, but understand the importance of a routine and learn to manage uncertainty with kids during these unprecedented times. I'm joined on the phone by Dr. Jacob Bishop with Baptist Health Medical Group Behavioral Health and certified therapist Amber Coffey to dive into these issues facing our listeners. Thank you for joining me today. According to the American Psychiatric Association, more than one-third of Americans say that coronavirus is having a major impact on their mental health. We still have several weeks ahead of us in this self-isolation. To start, how do you recognize distress and anxiety, and what can we do to maintain stability? I think a large part of it depends on the person. I think everyone experiences anxiety at some point or another. Uh, sometimes severe, sometimes mild, and, and this is a unique and kind of groundbreaking time for everybody to experience this event, which leads to a lot of anxiety in and of itself. So I think it's, it presents its own new set of, of issues and anxiety as well. You know, some people have different tolerance for anxiety and how much it affects them, and that can lead to just a wide spectrum of symptoms, whether it be physical symptoms like you know, racing heartbeat, upset stomach, nausea, dizziness, to, to full-blown panic attacks, to more subtle things like trouble concentrating, kind of clingy behavior in kids is something that we see, kind of obsessional thoughts, I think, which I'm hearing more of these days, partly because of the unknown of everything, partly because there's lots of news out there, and, and a lot of it has a very concerning slant to it, so I think, um, you know, being preoccupied with those thoughts leading to stress and discomfort and, and that sort of thing. I work a lot with our kids over here, mm-hmm. and some of the ways that we can recognize stress and anxiety in children are, are a little bit different because they have a hard time really communicating what makes them anxious or why. They just know it. You know, you know it when you see it, you know it when you feel it, and that comes across in different ways. Are there changes uh, in behavior? Of, absolutely, and, and that's really the primary one. There, there are some folks in the field of child psychiatry who say, you know, for the first eight to ten years of your life, any kind of distress is anxiety until proven otherwise. And I, I think that there's a lot of truth to that. It doesn't tell the whole story, but I think a lot of kids are struggling, whether it be with understanding things or new situations, scary situations, and, and distress that it causes on the relationships they have with their caregivers and siblings. You know, a lot of what you'd see as far as behavior changes would be kind of irritability, strains on the relationship. You'll see kids just kind of generally nervous, maybe having those obsessional thoughts, getting fixated on things. A big one that I always try to address for kids and adults alike is, uh, is effects on sleep. 
I think sleep's vital anytime, but especially in a time of stress, and that's often one of the first things that is affected. He also mentioned the uncertainty okay. of everything. And I just want to touch base on that really quick, because the uncertainty, that's the fear. It's the fear of the unknown. So we don't know what's happening tomorrow. We don't know what's happening in a few minutes. So with that being said, what I would suggest really is to focus on what we do have control over. Sure. We do have control over how we respond to this. We have control over the social isolation, washing our hands, practicing good hygiene. And it's just things like that that I think would actually help with the maintaining the stability that we need so bad right now. Sure. I've also heard a tip of um, how important it is to maintain a routine, and I could imagine even more so with a child. Would you agree with that? 100%. There's a lot of good data that shows just for your general mental health, whether we're talking about depression, anxiety, you know, behavioral issues, that a routine, a loose or fluid routine is often very helpful uh, to alleviate symptoms in general. And I think that's even compounded in a time like this where we're getting so much new information, um, you know, so much of the news sounds legitimately so is, is scary and frightening and, and anxiety-inducing. Mm-hmm. You know, so keeping your normal routine uh, is important for that normalcy, especially for a kid who's, who's very likely to be overwhelmed by this flood of information. You know, and on that note, I think it's also important that we process that information, all the news, all the the updates in moderation. I think moderation is huge for for most things, uh, especially now, because it would be very easy to fall into a state of constant worry with with all the news that's out there about COVID. Mm -hmm. And I'm certain it's age appropriate in the way that you talk with your kids, but what tips can you give to someone that's listening on, on how to discuss our temporary new reality with children? It's good to get ahead of it, I think, because it is so new, I can't imagine children trying to process this because it's so unique. I mean, completely taken out of their environment of going to school and going to classes and seeing their friends, and now they're quote-unquote trapped at home. So I think it's important to communicate about it just in general, and, and then kind of falling back on our first question, when you do notice some of these signs that they are getting stressed, that they are getting more anxious, having distress, not functioning, kind of where they're used to functioning, it's important to have that relationship so that they, they feel free to communicate about it. And it may be that the adults have to take the initiative and before they even see distress occur to just have them uh, sit down with the family, with the kids occasionally, daily, however often they need it, just to kind of, um, you know, keep them up to date with what's happening, reassure them, you know, say we have good measures to prevent the spread of the disease. Um, there's, there's positive numbers kind of popping up from different areas of the uh, parts of the world where they have instituted some of these things. So balancing uh, the anxiety-inducing things with some of the good news and some of the precautions they can take, just being able to communicate that with kids just so they know what to expect a lot of times helps their anxiety significantly. See that? So avoiding it would be worse. Avoiding it would be worse, yeah. Generally, anxiety is, uh, I mean, we have anxiety disorders, quote-unquote, that are treated in specific therapy, but but anxiety a lot of times is a symptom of something deeper. It's it's your body sending a, a smoke signal to some degree mm-hmm. of you know you need to pay attention to this before it blows up into a you know a raging fire. That's what your 
Yeah, exactly. And you know, on that on that note, a little anxiety is good. It gets you to work. It gets you passing grades in school. It gets you. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. It, it's when it tips over into that dysfunctional part, that distressing part, that part that makes you constantly worried and keeps you locked in uh, at home. That that's when it becomes um, an issue, and that's an inherent issue with this current situation because we're being told to stay at home, <laughs> and so that's. That's one of the issues that we're facing now with with kind of keeping that moderation, keeping that balance at home and communicating all this well. Sure. Well, it's understandable to have a an adult conversation, to be intentional to have that separate from the kids and away from their ears. Because right now, the, the adults in the home are dealing with, I can't imagine, the anxiety of a loved one contracting this disease, furloughs, layoffs, bills. The just pressure overall of homeschooling and being all under one roof. What tips would you give for a relationship right now for the adults in the home? It's very similar to what Dr. Bishop had mentioned with the kiddos. As far as open communication, we want to be honest within the home and transparent as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And all that means is, you know, unfortunately, we can't read each other's minds. Mm-hmm. So we really have to go by what is verbalized, what is discussed, how we're feeling today, how to go about it that way. Um, I will say it is also very essential right now to practice some self-care. Pouring some energy and some time into ourselves will actually help strengthen a relationship as well. Because, like you mentioned, a lot of people have the financial burdens. We are getting laid off from work. Uh, The bills continue to come in. So with that said, you do want to make sure that we still remember that we have a purpose. Uh, We are more than our careers. We're more than our jobs. We're a human first, and we just want to take some time for ourselves and and practice some self-care. Have it be meditate in the morning. uh, Take you a warm bath. uh, Just have some free time. Uh, even if it's 10 minutes or something like that, just in order to get our thoughts together. Sure. I like what you first offered, Amber, just to be intentional to recognize that your emotions could change, not daily, frequently, to be able to articulate that to your partner. Yeah, absolutely. If quarantine becomes too much to handle with the stress and the anxiety, how can I cope and what can I do to reassure children if I feel like I am just at a breaking point? What advice would you give? I think practicing some of the things you know, we mentioned about, uh, Amber mentioned about self-care is, is very important. You know, using this opportunity to, you know, focus on some things that either you've been intending to do or things you, you feel like you needed to do for yourself or at home, kind of reframing a situation of away from I'm trapped at home to I have this opportunity to, to do some things at home I didn't need to take care of. I think uh, one of the complications, one of the issues with anxiety is it makes us look at every situation as doom and gloom. It makes us see the worst in every possibility when anxiety becomes distressing. And so it's important that we, we reframe, we look at the situation and try to find a silver lining and say, you know, this offers us some opportunities to stay close and to communicate and to practice self-care and do some things that we've intended to do, but maybe we've been too busy to do. As well as, you know, good communication, I think it goes a long way. Now, if you can do all that stuff, all that good things, all that prep work, and, and things still kind of spiral and get, get, like you said, too much to handle. You know, at that point, uh, that's when you want to look for kind of red flags of anxiety, where you're looking at, is somebody, you know, consistently behaving in a way that's 
not normal for them? Are you worried about their safety? Are they turning to alcohol or something else too much more than often or, or some change in that, some kind of change in their function, you know, consistently? That's when you really want to be able to step in and communicate with that person, encourage them, and, and consider reaching out to somebody like uh, Amber and uh, our therapist here at, uh, at Baptist or, or myself on the uh, as one of the psychiatrists here, uh, because I think um, with anxiety, it's easy to get in bad habits because mm-hmm. it's, it's a, like Amber mentioned, it's a self-protective kind of phenomenon. You experience something that makes you uncomfortable, mm-hmm. you act accordingly, and it takes the anxiety away. So you're going to keep doing that. And, and a lot of times that's how we make bad habits, which is what spirals into these red flags and, and uh, these really tough situations. So, you know, taking measures to address the anxiety early on, communicating, taking care of yourself and others. And, you know, sometimes that means taking a little time apart, which is tough to do in the same house. Mm-hmm. But, you know, yeah, exactly. Exactly. If you got one door, you can make it happen. So, Absolutely. You know, until it gets to the point where you're worried about somebody and then, and then you want to take the steps to have them come talk to somebody like us. I just really liked what Dr. Bishop had said pretty much about flipping the switch and changing your perspective and looking on it as an opportunity. During this time, we could actually practice mindfulness, which is really, really helpful whenever it comes to anxiety and feeling anxious. And all mindfulness means is being aware of your settings, being in the moment, and we don't worry about tomorrow. We don't worry about what happened yesterday. We just focus on today. And looking at today, we can also look at what we have going for us. We practice the gratitude. And we don't look at what's holding us back or what's going against us right now. And doing those things, even if it's identifying three grateful things, and you might even want to practice this with your kids in the morning, what's three things that we're grateful for today. And start the day off in a positive perspective and Doing so will actually decrease anxiety, and what we'll see is an increase of um, positive emotions. Okay. I like that. That's a really good takeaway for, for everyone, and regardless of what you're feeling today, to start your day off that way, is to change your outlook. Are you available right now to treat patients? Are you seeing anybody through telehealth, or do you have any resources available to pass on to our listeners? We do. Um, we are actually creating some additional access points of care. Okay. We are mobilizing additional behavioral health clinics uh, throughout the state. And we are actually forming a team right now to get some public service announcements created, have that be through like a blog or just some educational resources that people can have in their hand accessible virtually pretty much at any time. And then also with Baptist, they have the MyChart, mm-hmm. which is a service. If they get on Baptist Health homepage, they could remote access to virtual care through that, or they could download the app and have it on their phone. Okay. So fortunately, during this time, technology is a really good resource to utilize. Mm-hmm, certainly. One thing I also wanted to ask you is about People with pre-existing mental health conditions, should those listeners change anything about their treatment right now? Well, it's important for every individual, um, and and that stresses the importance of having a consistent professional relationship with a provider, whether it be a therapist or psychiatrist, either or, because 
having that relationship, they know what to look for and how you're feeling, how you're doing, whether you're stable, whether med adjustments need to be made, triggers that, that may uh, lead to some kind of distress or, or worse. Um, and really, for a time like this, I think it's important to look at uh, mental health through that lens. Now, for those who are stable and have had that long-term relationship with the provider, it, it is great to have these telehealth options and uh, the charting and that sort of thing mm-hmm. to just keep tabs on them. And, you know, don't, I encourage anyone out there who feels like they're anxious to the point of distress or feeling that way to reach out because uh, even if you haven't been in care before, that's not going to um, cause any of us to turn away new patients. Okay. We're, we're here during the time of need and we want to be available for folks who just need a little bit of extra help with this current climate. Sure. Would it be helpful if someone journals right now their symptoms so they can make the associations to external factors or things that are going on around them to assist with care? Absolutely. Yeah, I think that'd be great. That would give, you know, the patient and their provider a lot to process throughout this course and at least to, you know, one of the thoughts we've had recently is, you know, we're in the acute stage now where we're still, you know, experiencing this quarantine for the first time in our lives, all this new information we're processing, the the social distancing and the isolation and and that sort of thing, that presents its own unique set of anxiety. But we also need to be looking ahead, too, because this this entire situation is going to have a pretty significant ripple effect. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I encourage folks to really pay it the respect that it deserves and, and don't uh, hesitate to reach out to a counselor, a therapist, a provider, even as the quarantine is coming to an end, because I think this is going to affect people on an emotional, mental, financial, professional level for quite some time. And I think, you know, there's no better time to to reach out and establish to have that stability and to get the help that's available to you. You know, I think it's important that we we keep the, the long game in mind as well. Yeah, I like that. That's true. Anything else you guys want to share with me today? Appreciate the opportunity. It's, it's such a unique time and unfortunate in many regards, but good to see everybody rallying and doing what they need to do to, to protect each other and ourselves and just encourage folks to keep with it and keep hoping and, uh, and trying every day because you know, it will eventually beat this. I know it's hard to see the end now. Things are still up in the air, but uh, in the meantime, you know, we're here and, and have uh, have plenty of options to help you if you're feeling overwhelmed or anxious or, or worse. So sure. we appreciate the time. Of course. Dr. Bishop and Amber, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Of course. Have a great one. Thanks for tuning in to Health Talks Now. Staying healthy is a lifelong commitment, and Baptist Health can provide the support you need to lower your risks, improve your quality of life, and protect your long-term health. Visit baptisthealth.com to hear our other podcasts, learn about our services, and find more tips to help you stay a step ahead of your health. Baptist Health, be a healthier you. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as medical advice. The content in this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. This podcast is not designed to replace a physician's medical assessment and medical judgment. 
Always seek the advice of your physician with any questions or concerns you may have related to your personal health or regarding specific medical conditions. To find a Baptist Health provider, please visit baptisthealth.com.